You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in. We've got a fresh week for you here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. Tim, we are now under two weeks until Syracuse is going to open up it's 2020 season against UNC, that trip down to Chapel Hill. No fans going to be in the stands for that one, um, but it should be uh, certainly an interesting matchup between a couple of young teams in the conference. So check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Today, since we're now 10 days of, of shows until this thing gets going, we've got a couple things for you. We're going to start our positional previews. We're going to each day on the show break down one position group for the Syracuse football team and tell you what you need to know about them heading into the season. And we're also going to do a bit of an extension on our training camp Thursday as well. And we're just going to break down one burning question each day leading into the season. But let's start with our positional preview today. We're going to dedicate it to the linebacking core. And this is, Tim, we we looked at this uh, and we were kind of joking about this. (laughs) Yeah, A little shaky. Uh, you look at some of the names there, some of the names you're not really going to know, but when you look at who they are trying to replace, you're trying to pick up the production from a season ago of Andrew Armstrong and Lakeem Williams, top two tacklers on the team, both gone. Remember, this team last year, 4-2-5 set on defense, and they're going to essentially have to replace their entire linebacking core from a season ago. Yeah, it's the same question that we've had now three straight seasons I think Dino said something before last year and was like yeah hopefully we won't have to deal with that again next year because I feel like I keep addressing this linebacker question to you guys every year meaning the media and I do think they are heading in a good direction linebackers wise because there's a lot of guys this year that we'll get to here like Michael Jones Jeff Canton Lee Koba that are definitely going to be key cogs for Syracuse for a while, but they're still relatively unknown right now. Actually, they pretty much are unknown. Jones, we saw a little bit last year, but you don't have a senior on this linebacker roster. So this should be the last year of us addressing this question of how are they going to fill the void at linebacker? But it's it's definitely a scary question again going into this year. Yeah, my big note with this linebacking core is the youth, because aside from Tyrell Richards, everyone's a sophomore, a true sophomore or younger. So that gives you a little bit of pause there. But I also think, and again, we, we're looking at this from the 2020 scope, but I also want to present the long-term game yeah. as well. The future could be really bright with this group, especially since everyone's getting that waiver. You're looking at a core of guys. Now, Michael Jones and maybe Lee Cobar guys that could potentially leave after their true senior years or, or heck, if you blow up these next two years, yeah, then you could be leaving. Yeah, you could be leaving even earlier than that. But these are guys that could be around now for three or four years together, and they could build something really special in the middle. And when you look at Michael Jones, he's the top returning tackler of this group, but the 38 tackles. When you're trying to replace two guys together who put up almost 190 tackles from a season ago. And not just that, but those were two of the guys who would wreak havoc in the backfield for you as well. Especially Lakeem Williams. He was the leading sack getter on this team and also led the team in tackles for loss. And you got to replace that with a bunch of youth out there. And that worries me a little bit. But I will say this, when you look across the board here, especially when a lot of these guys entered Syracuse because... 
Listen, Andre Cisco is phenomenal. All-American guy could be a first-round pick next season. But when you look at him when he entered into the, the Syracuse pipeline, that's not what you expected him to be. Meanwhile, when you look at the in terms of the raw skill, the raw incoming talent, you could argue linebackers got the most of it. Yeah. No, I mean, I really like... When you look at, like, Michael Jones and, and Lee Koba, those are two guys that were four-star prospects yeah. coming into the system. And Jeff Canton was a borderline four-star. I mean, he was the third-rated prospect out of Canada, and I think because he came from Canada, he's not going to get the same treatment that maybe some other guys could, but I think they really like what they have in Jeff Cannon. The thing is, when you look at how Dino presented the depth chart and how the staff decided on the depth chart back in the spring, which... Unfortunately, we're not able to go to these practices right now and maybe see who's getting the reps to the degree that we could normally. Now there's more question marks, but Jeff Cannon was a starter as the middle linebacker ahead of Michael Jones in the spring. And you might wonder, well, why is that the case? Because Cannon was pretty good on special teams last year, but he only had one tackle. Jones, as you said, 38 tackles. Jones was basically a starter last year, man. They they say it's a 4-2-5 yeah, defense. He was the third linebacker. Yeah, yeah. but he, he mm-hmm. was out there in three linebacker sets all the time. He did actually start four games, and he was a third-team freshman All-American, according to Pro Football Focus. So he is probably the most known quantity at the position. But I do think the reason why they went depth chart-wise with Cannon, and this is going to be a big talking point at the linebacker position going forward, is because Jeff Cannon has size. He's 6'4". And as a 3-3-5 defense, as you trend that way, just look at how Dino recruited this year at the linebacker position and the edge rusher position. He was looking for more size. The entire staff is looking for more size from those guys because you're going to have to line up at the line of scrimmage occasionally. You're going to have to be versatile and guard and coverage more. They're looking for guys like a Tyrell Richards, honestly. I think he really sets up well at the weak side linebacker position for this new defense. Michael Jones is only six feet, and Lee Koba is only six one. So that's the only downside to having those two four stars is they don't exactly fit this three three five that Tony White is bringing in. But they're still great football players, and the word on the street is that Jones gained some weight this offseason as well. And and remember that size thing that you bring up there too very important because look at the guys who left the program from this past yeah. offseason. When you look at Juan Wallace and Kadeem Trotter, they didn't fit that prototypical size, and they don't have necessarily the same skill set to make up for it for them to warrant staying on the roster. They, they were better off trying to find other opportunities. So I think, okay, so you've got Jones, you've got Tyrell Richards, and you got Steve Linton. Yeah, Lots of unknown there. <laughs> like You're t- talking about guys who are primarily special teams, but I do think that there is a good amount of depth to this position. When you look at Lee Koba, that's a guy who's considered a backup, but he was a four-star guy coming in. Jeff Canton, who you really like. Yeah. Atari Kinsler, one of the top prospects in this incoming class for as a true freshman for this group. So there is a lot of skill coming in. It's just we don't know how it's going to play out. We really know Michael Jones, and even that we don't totally know either. But there is a lot of depth, and you could probably argue that this is the deepest position. Really? But you just don't know. I, I would say deepest in terms of the potential to be great. I, because yeah. let, let's say there's an injury at, at certain positions, okay? I think I feel the best about linebacker. So I, I agree with what you're saying, but I will push back on you a little bit because there's really only 
five guys that I would trust to play significant downs, and then I think there's a pretty steep drop-off. Maybe I'm off on the numbers here. Let's see, Linton, Richards, Jones, Canton, Koba. Okay, those are my five, and then... And then Kinsler's your sixth, technically. Yeah, but like Kinsler... And he, he could be... He could be good for you though. You don't know because he's a freshman. I and again, that might be tough, an, especially in this I, in this abbreviated offseason. But he is one of the more talented guys that you're bringing. Oh, in. absolutely. I I don't know what the staff's plan is for him, but I I view him maybe a little bit more as just lining up line of scrimmage. Now I think he would have to gain some weight a little bit, but I I do think he's definitely one of the best talents that they're bringing in in that entire class. You go, but after that, for me, I, I guess if you want to include Kinsler, that's fine. After that, I mean, you get into some other freshmen like Thompson, Sparrow, Marlo Wax. I mean, these are guys that normally I think what you'd want to redshirt them. But then you're talking three deep on the depth chart. Yeah, that's true. I, but, like, it's going to be a weird season, right? I mean, people could test positive for COVID and yeah. we boom, two linebackers could be out. I mean, I know Michael Jones and Lee Koba committed on the same day. I don't know if they're living together. This is obviously maybe exaggerating to hype you know, to go this far into it, but like perhaps they hang out together and then boom, there goes two of your backers. If one no, of yeah, them gets that, it. That's like, a totally fair assessment too. And something that we definitely need to, to look out for. All right, Tim, we got to talk about Built Bar because there are six new amazing flavors coming out, Tim. And we got a notification the other day, a little email in the inbox that said, we've got a little treat coming for us in the mail. And whenever we get that, it means on one it. thing and one thing only. We are getting a bunch of delicious Built Bars coming our way, and I cannot wait to check some of these out. So Caramel Brownie Cookies and Cream, I think the leader in the clubhouse for me wow. in terms of the most anticipated. I would call those the the Dior Johnson Chance Westry <laughs> of the Built Bars right now that I'm looking at. But they're super healthy. They've got just a, a great reward for any workout that you do. Yeah, and what is that? There's a new promo that you can get a cooler, right, with it? A what? A cooler, a cooler, right? I saw that in the email. Am I making this Absolutely. up? Absolutely. You get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last, and you can go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you will get $10 off your next order. Again, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On for $10 off your next order. When you look at the different groupings of positions on the defense, you've got the defensive line, you've got the linebackers, you've got the defensive backs. In, in terms of how you would rank them, where would you put this linebacking unit among the three? Well, defensive backs, is it's clear-cut number one. That's where you start. Mm -hmm. and I'm then with you there. I would say linebackers lags behind defensive line for me because so where where's that gap for you between two and three because i'm with you too i've got the linebacking core as the third best of all these um of all the groups of defensive players but i will say this if by the end of the year we're talking about the linebacking core as the second best on this defense i would not be surprised because of the fact that there is so much youth to it and if they figure it out this could be a really good team or a really good linebacking core because of the fact that they have this potential and they've got the skill behind them. Yeah, it's a weird question because I think in 2020, they're pretty far behind the defensive line. But I, I do like where, where this linebacker core is heading in the future. But I do think this is going to be a tough one, right? I mean, going into this year, 
You've got so many guys. You basically, you don't have a single starter. Michael Jones was a, kind of a starter last year, but he's probably going to be playing a different role. We know he is because it's in a different defense. He's going to be asked to be doing different things. He doesn't have the height that maybe you would like to have in this new defensive scheme. And then you have Richards, who I am very confident can kind of be an Andrew Armstrong type or a Ryan Guthrie and insert himself. And can I can I give a meathead analysis of, of Tyrell Richards? <laughs> yes, I'd love it. So my, my unofficial meathead analysis of Tyrell Richards is that this dude is just a football player. Like, watch yeah, him freak. play. He's, he's an absolute stud athlete. He plays with an unmatched passion out there on the field. I mean, I would put him up there among the most passionate players that I've seen play for Syracuse from the, from these past couple of seasons. And he's shown it mostly on special teams, and that's why I'm excited to see him kind of get into a full-time role as a starter on the defense as he heads into his redshirt junior year because I think that he could bring a little bit of a spark and a, a little bit of an edge to that linebacking core. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get to breakout candidates in the latter part of this show as one of our burning questions this week. I probably wouldn't be first on my list, but I think Tyrell Richards is definitely can make a case for him, right? Because he has the prototypical build. I think he's 6'3". He's already got the size. He's a freak. Every one of the teammates just speaks so highly about how he has that rare combination of speed, but also power, and he's one of the hardest Yeah, he plays on the, the game very violently, and I don't say that to say that he's going to go out there and make stupid penalties for you. I say that because he's playing 120% at all times. Yeah. He did get uh, one targeting penalty last year. I forget. I think it was Holy Cross. And it was, honestly, maybe it was worth it because it was such a good hit. Um, when it happened, it was like one of <laughs> what, the hits was, of the year. Wasn't it kind of a bogus call, though, yeah, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly? Or, there were a couple of targeting. Well, in that there, same there game. were two in the Holy Cross Yeah, game? in that same yeah. game, Trill. And one shouldn't have been. Right. Well, Trill body slammed a guy like a couple of plays later. And that That's was right. like, yeah, 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 it's probably a targeting. Tyrell Richards was... I don't know. It was maybe helmet to helmet, but you know, sometimes they err on the side of ejecting now, which is fine. Uh, but getting back to your original question, I do think linebackers is pretty significantly behind defensive line for me because they're at the top of my list of concerns going into this season. I feel like given that this off season added a lot of variables to it, it's kind of shortened and you're already introducing a new scheme with not a lot of known quantities, guys that are going to be very nervous playing their first couple games. And then you add on that this schedule, I mean, they're jumping into a top 25 team to start the season on the road. And then there's no cupcakes, really. I know Liberty is still on the schedule right now, but you usually get those early season games like a Holy Cross or Western Michigan. Like there's none of those growing pain games Rutgers. to start the year. Rutgers, yeah. And those are all gone now. So these linebackers could get exposed out of the gates. And that's kind of what we've seen in the past couple of years. And they have gotten to a point by the end of the year where you feel a lot better about the group. And I think we will get there. But, I mean, would it shock you if UNC just ran all over Syracuse in week one? No, it wouldn't. No. And again, my bigger concern with the linebackers is the fact that they're young, not necessarily their talent. I think they've got some solid talent. And as I've stated earlier, but... The youth is one of the things. And like I mentioned, everyone except for Tyrell is at least a sophomore or younger, a true sophomore yeah. or younger. And it especially is interesting, too, because you've probably got the biggest enigma on the defense at this position right now. And that's 
sitting with Steve Linton. Yes. A guy who <laughs> not a lot of people know a lot about, only played in a handful of games from a season ago, didn't really make much of an impact last year. But from what we've kind of heard and the rumor mill around camp is that he has been one of the guys that has shined defensively. Yeah. And I think that's an encouraging thing. You heard Tommy DeVito he he kind out. of sang his praises yeah. a little bit. So if that's the case and Linton is going to be a potential breakout guy and who knows, maybe we're going to talk about him in the next segment. But if Linton can be one of those guys for you and he can play above his pay grade, because we've seen that out of the linebacker position these past couple of seasons. I mean, Lakeem Williams, he came in and was a, a great player. Andrew Armstrong came in, great player. You saw Ryan Guthrie two seasons ago. He came in. He was a stud. He was an all-ACC guy. But, again, the, the difference there is a lot of those guys that I mentioned were JUCOs or had been in the program for a little bit. Steve Linton is going to be a sophomore. Yeah, and he's shifting from a different position going to linebacker. Right. So that's mm-hmm. also a, a difference from say an Armstrong or someone like that, who, I mean, at least he always had his sights set on linebacker, as far as we know. You know, a lot of these guys, you're right, have gone from special teams to being successful, but there has, I mean, there's always been hiccups. I would say more so last year, of course, and that's just kind of the nature of how last season went compared to two years ago, but it took some time for Andrew Armstrong. I mean, they were good players in the end, and Lakeem Williams, I think anyone would say he had a good season. He put up good numbers. But BC still ran all over those guys. And maybe that was more on Brian yeah. Ward. You might argue that. And, I, and I'm probably here for that, too. But there's going to be growing pains with this group. Steve Linton, I think, in, an, in a perfect world, Dino would love and Tony White would love to have Steve Lynn be one of those breakout candidates. Because he's 6'5", 225, and he kind of has the skill set that they need and the body that they need to be a three three five linebacker. And, you know, Koba and Jones, like I said, are probably the most talented. Canton, not that far behind. Cannon has the height. Koba and Jones don't necessarily. Perhaps I'm overvaluing this height thing because this is just sort of what you do when you're previewing a season and you maybe look at one thing too heavily but the way Dino laid out this depth chart and I'm sure the staff helped him of course but the way the depth chart was laid out it seems like he you know he put Linton Canton and Richards as the quote-unquote starters back in the spring that was a while ago but we're hearing good things from Linton and Cannon and Camp and I think Richards is the one that would definitely be a fiction like if he didn't start week one I'd be shocked given that his pedigree is probably a little bit better than some of the other guys. So I think he does want the taller guys to step up and that would just make Tony White's life a lot of, a lot easier in this new system. Then you got to keep in mind too, again, at the end of the day, you're rushing four guys on pretty much every single play. So one of those guys is going to be getting after the passer. And to be honest, like as, as much as I'd like to see Richards and I think he'd be a great run stopper, I wouldn't mind to see him, Going after yeah, the quarterback because we know he can play. do that. I think he could really thrive. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't. He doesn't turn that passion into something that ends up into some bad roughing the passers. But I, I think that's a guy who could thrive as a as a potential pass rusher. All right, we're gonna get into our breakout candidates in just a little bit. Who is a guy who maybe wasn't even on the depth chart a year ago? Maybe wasn't even on the roster a year ago that could pop for the orange in 2020? We'll tell you who our guys are coming up next. 
So Tim, there's always the old adage in the NFL. There's always a team every single year goes worst to first. And we're going to kind of do something like that here, except from a player perspective from Syracuse. Not necessarily that these guys were the worst, but maybe they're guys you hadn't heard of. They were left on the back burner. They didn't play a season ago that can be a star for Syracuse or can be a major contributor for Syracuse in 2020. So we're each going to rattle off a couple of our breakout candidates. I'll give you the floor first. I've got one on offense and one on defense. I don't know how you broke down yours, but I'll let you get into it and start us off here. So I'm sure a lot of people that are listening listen to our conversation with Anthony DeBundo. If you haven't listened to that, I thought it was a great chat with him. He's over at the Daily Orange. Went Kid knows numbers. Yeah. He knows numbers. <laughs> he loves his numbers, and he went deep into the stats, and he broke down. You know, he also, he writes for the Action Network, one of our new partners here oh, at really? the Locked On wow. Podcast Network. Yep. He's a he's an Action Network contributor. I think he does a lot of soccer and tennis for them, okay. if I remember correctly. Well, I'll have to... So if you're, if you're trying to win some dough on yes. some some soccer bets, because what, the... the one of the one of the so- I'm not a soccer guy. No, I'm not either. Soccer, so you're asking the wrong but guy. But <laughs> I, I know one of the big leagues came back. What is it like the Champions League or something or some, the Premier League? Some people know. are yelling. I, I'm at lost. Us. I think it's the Premier League. I think it's the Premier League. Sounds I just pissed right off a me. lot of people right there. Yeah, uh, one of the big leagues came back. Man, we just it, lost. It's a definitely the Premier League. I'm pretty sure because they they overlap with the NFL. Yeah, that I mean that's that sounds like it. the biggest league to me. So we'll go with that. And we apologize yeah. to soccer fans out there. Anyway. I just know everyone's going crazy right now because Messi's on the market. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I did see that it, ESPN that, that's, that's Listen, if you get in a conversation with any of your soccer friends and, and you don't know it, and you have a Tim and I level IQ of soccer, just say, Messi's on the market, man. Where's he going? Like yeah. that's how you that's how you strike up some conversation with your your soccer pals. Yeah. I'll f- anyway, yeah. let's talk about some real football. Yeah, that's here. enough. Uh, um, <laughs> that's enough soccer talk. I was yeah, gonna say that's enough. Yeah. Um, Debundo, obviously, we we did ask him offense and defense. Who are your breakout candidates? And it might sound like I'm just taking this from him. But I, I really do think Jawar Jordan and Luke Benson on the offensive side of the ball, that's who he shouted out. And I think that's the two logical ones. Like, if you're following this pretty closely, those are probably the names that you're thinking in your head as well. Jawar Jordan, of course, I mean, he had a couple carries last year where I forget what the first game was. It might have been Boston College, and I hope I'm right on that. But regardless, I think the listeners will remember this moment where he went around the end and it was like the first time that he got a significant carry all season. Now granted BC, I think it was before the game got really, really ugly, but Dino was just throwing in different personnel to try and get something going offensively, which is something he probably could have done a little bit earlier last year. But anyway, he threw in Jawar Jordan. He got a carry around the end. And at first I was like, Oh my gosh, who's that? Because you just hadn't seen that speed on the field really all season to that point. And then once you saw it was number 25, you were like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, Jawar Jordan. And maybe a couple people remember that moment because he's got that big playability that I'd love to see Dino utilize some more this year. And I think he's going to have to because really the the running back room, which we'll get to tomorrow, is getting a little slimmer than it has been in the past. So I think Jordan looked for him to pop in a couple big plays. And then Luke Benson... I would love, love to see them utilize him more on the underneath passes where DeVito kind of struggled last year and really the whole offense didn't click to the degree that they did two seasons ago. I'd love to see them utilize him in the red zone some more, not just because he's a tight end, but because they struggled in the red zone. So why not try and use some different weapons or make some changes there? So those would be my two on offense for me. 
Yeah, I like those two. I you picked Jawar Jordan right off of my list. That kid's got lateral quickness that we have not seen at Syracuse. Yeah, at, at least lately, because the way that he can get from the backfield to the end and just break off big plays, he cuts on a dime. I'm pretty sure his his Twitter name is is cuts on dime or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Sean McCoy esque, um, isn't that? Yeah, his? yeah. yeah. He, I think he likes. Yeah, he's a big LaShawn McCoy fan, if I remember correctly, right. from when I was studying him up when he was uh, coming up through the recruiting ranks, but. He was flexing seven touchdown games in high school. Like he, he would do that like it's nothing sometimes. And th- that's just the level of speed and quickness that, especially at the high school level, it's it's something that if you've got it, it, it's valuable currency. At the college level, if it keeps up, it's definitely valuable currency because when you can outrun guys at the next level and at the next level and at the next level, there's always going to be a spot for you somewhere. And the fact that he can do it and the fact that there's real no, there's no real solidity in is that even a word solidity? <laughs> yeah we'll go with it but you know what i mean there's no real fu- you don't feel super great about the running back room and it's kind of like you, you hear this all the time in the nfl how the running back is the most expendable position in football and any i know you subscribe to this theory that you can throw anyone yes, behind i do a, a good <laughs> offensive line and they will be fantastic and i'm not saying that syracuse is going to be some awesome offensive line especially oh, no. <laughs> if they're going to be dealing with some injuries but you could throw Jawar Jordan back there, and he could probably make some plays for you. Yeah. And I think that would be super valuable for this team because, listen, the passing game, we've seen it flash. We've seen it have its moments. We have not seen that out of the running game. No. And, I mean, to get and back— And I will say this. I think Dante Strickland got a little too much hate during oh, his time at Syracuse. Big Strickland guy here. And, and Mo Neal, um, he, he added multiple dimensions to your offense, but— we haven't seen an explosive running game, and I think that would completely change the course of this offense. Yeah, and to get back to what DeBunda was talking about, one of the misnomers that he kind of dispelled in his stats and in that article was that you think of Syracuse and you think, oh, that offense produces explosive plays because they're running gun. And and look, I think any fan does remember a good chunk of explosive plays in that 2018 season, and even last year, like the Clayton Welch to Taj Harris or whatever, but that's also just college football nowadays. There are tons of explosive plays. That's so, true. Yeah. So relative to the other competitors in the conference, which I was going to say nationally, but mostly in the conference, because that's all you're going to be playing up against, at least as far as right now, and maybe Liberty. But relative to those guys, Syracuse could use some more big plays. They could use something that could get the offense off the field a little bit quicker or just get some more points on the field or points on the board. And Jordan is that big play threat for them this year. He's the type of guy that if there was fantasy college football, maybe one week you start him and he's going to get you like one point, but he's going to have a couple weeks this year where he booms and he looks like one of the best players on the field. I firmly believe that he's probably going to return a kickoff for a touchdown this year. At some point, he returned a little bit last year. I'd expect to see him more in that role going forward. Although, you know, there is some camps that believe if he's going to be playing significant minutes at running back, why put him out there in kick return? Because you don't want to risk him getting hurt. But we'll see how that goes. I, I do think he will produce a couple 50-yard, 60-yard plays this year. And they really need that on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm trying to think through the offense right now. If there's a three-touchdown candidate on this team, you have to pick one guy on the entire offense. And, and obviously, throw DeVito out unless he's running the ball three times. Yeah. But... If there's a guy who's going to score three touchdowns for you, I think I might be picking Jawar Jordan. 
maybe Jarvion Howard, which yeah, you get a couple a couple one to three inch yeah. pushes at the goal line. Right. That, that that's another fine assessment, and, and I think you could say the same about Hackett, where you get right around the goal line, and he's just he's just the man there. Yeah. Um, and you'd for, think Taj plays, will but, get some of Tristan's touchdowns last year. He'd be the most yeah, likely. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that either. Of those guys are are three, or at least Taj. I wouldn't say that he's a three touchdown candidate guy. I think Jawar could because he could get you a seventy five yard touchdown. Like we saw a college football game. The first play of the college football season was a seventy five yard touchdown. Yeah, that's a play that Jawar <laughs> Jordan can can do. I, I'm I'm fully confident in that. And he can also. I think you can use him at all levels. Like Jarvion Howard's a guy you want to pretty much mostly use in short yardage situations i'm cool with putting jawar out there like that and again i think abdul adams is still going to get a a good number of carries this year and he's obviously going to enter the season as a starter but you've got three backs that do three very different things for you and i think could make a nice little three-headed monster especially if the offensive line is struggling and you need to turn yourself almost into a check down level offense You've got guys that can make plays for you. Yeah. Okay, so on the defensive side of the ball now, unless you have any other guys offensively that you no, think that's, are... No, that's my only guy. Yeah. On, on offense. Uh, um, defensively, do you, do you, let me just throw out a couple names at you and, and let me know who you mm-hmm. guys or who your guys are as well, of course. But I would say Josh Black on the D-line because we've just been waiting for him to be healthy for an entire year and really showcase his skills. I think... Everyone around the program yeah. already knows it, and, and maybe that's kind of a cop-out answer because it's almost like picking Michael Jones. I yeah, feel like... I, I was going to call you out for that because yeah. I feel like Josh Black is too much of a known commodity. He started a number of games throughout his career. It's been injuries that have really kept him off the field. Yeah. Okay, that's team. fair. All right. I'll so, scrub that uh, one. Yeah. Can I give... My, yeah, my defensive guy, and we kind of already hit on him, was Steve Linton. Okay, or yeah, I guess I like is that. Steve Linton. Because he's gotten the reviews out of practice. And again, not not to just buy into the, the propaganda machine of what you hear in post-practice press conferences, but you look at him for the 3-3-5. This is a big dude. 6-5, 225. So not as only is he big and tall, but he's got some agility, he's got some speed, and he can move laterally for you. He could be a game wrecker in the backfield because you're going to have to replace a lot of production defensively of getting into that backfield, whether it's to the quarterback or to the running backs in the backfield. You're going to have to find someone who can do that for you. And Linton might be that guy. He's not going to plug holes the same way that a guy like Andrew Armstrong or Ryan Guthrie or even Lakeem Williams did in the past. But he's a guy who, when he can get going and he can play at a downhill level of linebacker, he could be dangerous for you. Yeah, okay. I'll give you an actual breakout candidate that maybe some people aren't exactly targeting, but maybe they are. I would say Neil Nunn in the secondary. Now I like that one. Mm-hmm. Now, secondary is, as we're going to say multiple times over the course of our next 10 podcasts, is probably one of the few spots on this entire football team where I'm like, oh, I feel great about that. And that it's, it's the best yeah, we'll, position. We'll wave it. the pom-poms for the secondary. Yeah, so... It might not be in terms of, like, volume of snaps, but I feel like if if there was an injury, knock on wood, or positive COVID test, because, again, we're in that time period now, and Neil Young is asked to step up, I feel really good about him, just because of what he has talent-wise. Number 
307 in the country coming out of high school, according to 24-7 Sports, in terms of overall prospect in his class. And he didn't do a whole lot last year, just redshirted. I don't even think he played much from what I remember. I I think he just sat out the entire year. But he's a four-star level talent, and I do think he has the capability to make some plays this year if he's called upon. So that would be one of my breakout candidates. Yeah, I like that one because, remember, he was a guy – I believe he tore his ACL his senior year of high school, so he yeah. didn't really do much, and he was kind of on the heels of that, and that's why you haven't maybe heard a ton of him throughout his career, but Syracuse still believed in him, so they kept him around. Yeah, yeah. that's I think that is a good one, but again, that's going to come down to opportunity that would have to arise in the secondary. Maybe someone's not picking it up. Maybe you, you've got an injury, something of that nature. So right. if you've got a breakout player candidate that we didn't mention today— Tweet at us, at LO underscore Syracuse, and we will interact with you on the old Twitter machine if you got a breakout candidate for us. All right, that's going to wrap up this Monday edition of the show. Tomorrow, we're going to continue. We're going to get into this little little rhythm here as we head into the season. So we're going to break down the running backs tomorrow. Again, we kind of touched on Jawar Jordan today, but we will get into a deep dive of the running backs, what we like, what we don't like out of the backfield for this team. And then we're also going to break down this burning question. Can Tommy DeVito reach the levels that Eric Dungy got to? And can he do it quicker than Eric Dungy got to? We're using the E word. We're using (laughs) the E word here. We've got the C word who got knocked out of the playoffs, uh, the NBA playoffs after a great run with Portland. Uh, We've got the E word. Those those are two of the the forbidden comparisons, but we're going to make one of them tomorrow on the show. So we're going to break down that burning question heading into this 2020 football season. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys tomorrow.